0: Welcome to Where Are You Now, a podcast dedicated to catching up with former RAs and hearing where their journey of life has taken them since their glory days at New York University. My name is Tom Ellett and I serve as the Senior Associate VP of Student Affairs and I am tonight's host. I'm solo tonight because RAs are at home taking care of themselves during the coronavirus epidemic. Today's guest is Casey Farron, who served as an RA in Greenwich, a hall under Brendan Zabaki and Ashley Hartman during the 2008 to 2010 academic year. Welcome, Casey, and thanks for joining me on tonight's show. It's really a pleasure having you on. How are you and where are you?
1: Great. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I am doing well, hanging in there. It's been kind of a weird time, Um, and I am coming to you from outside of Raleigh, North Carolina.
0: And it certainly is a, a, a rough time, especially when we talk a little bit about what your role is now um, as a physician. So, um, But first, we're going to go back to your time at Washington Square. What did you study while you were here?
1: Um, yeah, I was a neuroscience major and I was pre med. Um, and then I ended up with a minor in Jewish history and civilizations as well. Very
0: eclectic. I like it. What, what made you, what was the impetus for you to want to go into the field of medicine?
1: Yeah, um, I loved learning about the brain. Um, and I realized that when I was a senior in high school taking an AP psychology class, um, and just found that learning about what the, all the different parts of the brain did and where they were located and what could happen when things went wrong with those areas of the brain was just fascinating to me. And so I knew that I wanted to learn more about the brain. Um, and kind of when it came to what to do after that, um, I knew that I wanted to work with people rather than in a lab um, and that I wanted to help people um, like all kind of early medicine applicants want to do also. Um, and so ended up wanting to be pre-med and then I went straight into medical school after my undergrad.
0: Excellent. So let's go back to your undergraduate days and what did you do as it related to extracurricular activities?
1: Mm -hmm. Um, I was a a peer educator. I actually started doing that before I became an RA, um, specializing in alcohol and other drug use. Um, And so I worked with that. I also fenced um, on our fencing team for three years.
0: Wow. So using the sword was something as a precursor for the medical field a little bit. Right. (laughs) There you go. Um, Did you always want to be an RA?
1: Yeah, I did. Um, And I didn't really know what an RA did um, or what an RA was until my freshman year. Um, when I had a really, really great RA um, who was a lot of fun, I actually was on one of the exploration floors as well. And so he came up with great programming for us um, and really brought our floor together. And I knew that I wanted to do something like that as well.
0: Well, and I want to give you a shout out here too, because you just recently came back for a spring development training day we had for the RAs and uh, you did a great job the RAs who were there. were really excited to hear about your path and how you were able to take what you learned from the RA position and your other co-curricular activities and put it into what you're doing today. Uh, So what was it like to be on a kind of smaller residence hall staff in Greenwich?
1: Yes, um, there were seven RAs um, while I was there, and so it was um, a pretty tight-knit community. I was good friends with all of the other RAs, um, we spent a lot of time together kind of in the hall and out of the hall. Um, and then that also meant that we were on duty a lot more often. Um, and so we spent a lot more time kind of in the residence hall. We got to know our security guards very well because we spent a lot of time with them. Um, and so it was a, a very tight knit community, but we spent a lot of time working as well.
0: And how about the relationships you had with your residents?
1: Mm-hmm. Um I loved my residents, they were great. Um just fun, kind of eclectic people. I was on an exploration floor for one of the years um, on foreign film. And so we had a lot of just really unique personalities and um, Greenwich has a very interesting layout too. So we had very a few kind of big suites um, with eight people in them and then smaller suites with um, about three people and probably the smallest ones. So it was a very kind of interesting group of people. And we had sophomores through seniors. Um, and so we had uh, a wide range of people um, on our floors.
0: When you think about the area of Greenwich, uh, did you take advantage of being in that part of the the West Village?
1: Mm-hmm. I still love the West Village. It's still one of my favorite places to go to when I go back to the city. Um, I love walking around Bleecker street um i loved hanging out on kind of the, the hudson river park there mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. when i was actually studying for the mcat i would go bring my books out there and study because it was way more fun than studying inside my room
0: it's a great location hidden residence hall i always say you yeah. know it's the the, the view of uh, jersey with the sun going down no, nothing quite like it
1: mm-hmm. i know it's gorgeous out there
0: so let's bring it out to now what skills did you gain in this position
1: Yeah, um, I I liken being on duty to now being on call. Um, It's still the similar approach for you sleep with your phone next to your pillow and kind of deal with any emergencies that that wind up in the middle of the night. So now um, the emergencies are a little bit different. It's the emergency room calling you because somebody's had a stroke um, or has had seizures and they need some guidance on what to do. Um, But it's still kind of the same. You have to be ready for any emergencies that go down. And you're the person who they call. So um, I do that a lot now and, and did during my residency as well.
0: Yeah. Um, w- was there anything that surprised you about being an RA? Um, I don't
1: know. I think when I watched, I think as a resident, when you watch your RAs, um, you kind of see the fun parts of it. And you don't necessarily see the, the work that goes into it. Um, when you go to a program as a resident and as a freshman, um, especially you see it's just fun and it's just exciting. And you don't think about the kind of budgeting that goes into it and the planning that goes into it. Um, and so that was a little bit surprising just how much work there is on the other end of it. Um, but I think that was probably the the thing that was the most surprising for me.
0: And so you were able to obviously work through that as well. Um, Tell me a little bit about the NYU experience. So NYU is you've experienced a non-traditional institution for, for college. Uh, did you miss the traditional campus rah rah of the weekly football games or, or or that aspect?
1: I did not miss that one bit. Um, where I grew up was was pretty far away from uh, any big colleges, and so I I didn't really know that that life existed um, until I moved down here to North Carolina. I went to um, UNC. Um, Chapel Hill for medical school and then did my residency at Duke and now live outside of Raleigh. So there's a ton of, of big universities where they're all about their sports teams, whether it's the football teams or the basketball teams. Um, and I had no idea what a bracket was until I moved down here <laughs> and, and I you know, went to the same school as Michael Jordan. Right. So. Um, it was just a, a very, very different world um, that I loved. And I love now that I that I kind of have a little bit of that experience at other schools, too, even though it still feels very foreign to me just because it's not what I'm used to.
0: Well, and, and so, yeah, I'm sure that aspect has been something exciting for you, but very different than the New York City kind of undergraduate uh, experience. So you graduate from NYU, Yankee Stadium, it's all over, and you're getting ready to uh, prepare for first year of med school. Uh, As you kind of reflect on that closure, let's have you talk a little bit about the pre-portion of that in terms of practicing for or preparing for the MCATs and and applying for medical school.
1: Yeah, Um, I took the MCAT over the summer between my... Junior and my senior year and I was a summer RA then as well so it was a, a again a small building um, there ended up being three RAs there and it was actually two of my very good friends and me and so one of us was always on call so we kind of just hung out in the whole building the whole time for the most part um, but I spent that summer basically preparing for the MCAT and taking the MCAT um, while working as an RA kind of spent a little bit of time going towards or kind of studying out on the Hudson River as well um, and a few other places. And actually, a very good friend of mine took the MCAT the same day as me. So um, the two of us studied together quite a bit. And
0: hopefully celebrated afterwards, too. We did, yes. (laughs) Most important.
1: We we decided, we're all 21 at that point, we decided that we um, were going to go to McSorley's because we didn't want to make any more decisions. (laughs) And it was just light beer or dark beer. (laughs) And... We figured we had made enough decisions for one day.
0: Well-deserved. Um, any tips on, on for our undergraduates thinking about the MCATs and a, and a degree in, in, in medicine, how to prepare for that test?
1: Yeah. Um, the MCAT has changed a lot since I took it, actually. Okay. Um, it used to be that there was a biology section, a chemistry section, a writing section, and I think a, a verbal comprehension section. And now there's a ton more on kind of bioethics and biochemistry, Um, and so it's it's a bit more of a complicated test than it used to be, Um, but I would say set aside a decent amount of time to just study and have that be your big focus at that time. Um, I took a prep class, which I thought was helpful, um, but not necessary, so if finances are are a concern, it's not something that you absolutely need while you're studying for the MCAT. Mm -hmm.
0: And what made you choose the institutions you chose for medical school?
1: Yeah, Um, my mom actually moved from New Jersey, where I grew up, to um, Raleigh, North Carolina, while I was in college. My parents split up um, in 2008, and my mom moved down to North Carolina. And so she, um, when I was trying to figure out where I wanted to apply, I knew that I would love to stay in New York if I had the chance to, but if I couldn't stay in New York, that I wanted to go be by my mom. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I applied to um, Duke and UNC into a few schools in um, in New York. um, And I don't remember where else I applied. And then I ended up being in-state in North Carolina because my mom moved here. Um, And UNC, when I first started, they took um, out of our our class of 160, I think 140 were in-state. So it was a huge advantage to be in-state, yes, Um, both for financially and for getting into the school Um, and so UNC ended up being the only school I got into and so it made my decision very easy Um, it ended up being a great decision because the school was fantastic and I had a a wonderful experience there and a great education Um, it's one of the the top medical schools in the country and it's very affordable if you're in state so it was it worked out really really well
0: fantastic and then you go on to your residency and how that Mm -hmm. process worked for you
1: Yeah, so the match is something that I don't think many people know about if you're outside of medicine. Um, It is a um, horribly nerve-wracking process um, where what you do is all graduating medical students apply to a bunch of different programs throughout the country and then they go and interview at the programs that invite them for an interview and then what each applicant does is they rank their top choices and they rank any schools that they would be willing to go to for residency. And then the programs rank their top candidates. And then a big computer algorithm matches people. And so in one day in March, it's also Friday, you'll find out if you matched on a Monday and then the Friday of the same week, you find out where you're going. Um, And then you just you don't have a say you're you're bound to it. And you get matched a program and so I matched up my top choice which was amazing um, at Duke University where I was thrilled to go for my neurology residency. It was a four-year program. Um, The first year was an internship year in internal medicine and then it was a three-year neurology residency afterwards. Wow
0: okay and tell us a little bit about a day in the life of a resident.
1: Yeah Um, so residents work um, usually 75 to 80 hour weeks. Um, there's an 80 hour work week cap um, and that works out to basically be 12 hour shifts for six days a week. Is and that new few,
0: Casey, the, the cap?
1: Um, the cap came out, I want to say in the 90s or the early okay, 2000s. Okay. So right, it's so it's newer um, mm-hmm. but not, not brand new. Um, and so it's like working two full time jobs, yeah. which is crazy. Um, And as a brand new physician, you end up making about $13 an hour, which is also a little crazy. Um, But you learn a ton. And so we would, our shifts were usually about 7 a.m. to 7 p.m., at least for the first two years, um, where you end up doing a lot of the day-to-day minutia. So a lot of the details, the ordering the insulin and the ordering the labs and making sure that everybody's okay. And then as you progress through residency, um, you end up taking more of a leadership role in deciding, okay, how are we, what does this patient have? and How are we going to treat it? Um, Rather than kind of doing all of the the details. And so the 7am to 7pm days, we usually get there at 7, um, sign out from whoever was on overnight. So kind of figuring out if there were new patients who were admitted and what their story is and what we've done so far. Um, and then knowing, kind of learning about what happened from people overnight. So if somebody who had been stable during the day then had a big, you know, incident overnight, we'd hear about what happened, we'd hear about um, who, you know, fell getting out of the shower at night, um, those type of things. And then we would do what we call pre-rounds, which is where you go and basically see all of the patients. You kind of split up the census on, as far as who's on your team. Um, and then go see whoever your patients are and kind of check in on them, examine them quickly, um, ask if they had any concerns overnight or any issues. And then we recollect as a big team and round on everybody, um, usually around 8, 8.30 or so. Um, And then rounds in both medicine and neurology take all morning. Um, And then we usually break at noon, for a conference. And then from 12 to one, there's usually some sort of learning activity where um, someone will come in and speak on um, some facet of neurology or they'll speak on some facet of medicine. Um, and then from one to five or so, we kind of finish up um, any orders that needs to be put in. We follow up on labs that are new. We follow up on imaging that's been done. Um, if someone needs a procedure, that's typically when it happens. Um, and then from five to seven, we kind of tidy things up so that we can sign out at seven. Wow.
0: And so you finished your residency and?
1: Yes. Yeah. So I finished up my residency and then I did a one-year fellowship at Duke University um, specializing in multiple sclerosis. And so it was entirely outpatient. So I spent um, pretty much every day in clinic. Um, seeing patients with MS. And um, then I spent a little bit of time in our urogynecology clinic, seeing what they do for patients because a lot of our patients have bladder problems just as part of the disease. Um, And then I spent a little bit of time in the rheumatology clinic because there's a lot of overlap between um, the neuroimmunology field and the rheumatology field. Um, specializing in things like lupus or Sjogren's disease or other autoimmune conditions. Um, And then after that, I started at a private practice in Raleigh called Raleigh Neurology Associates. Um, It is a large neurology private practice. We have 28 physicians and about 340 employees total. Wow. Yeah, I started there in July. Uh, Yeah, right. It pretty much is. It's all outpatient. We spend a little bit of time. We rotate at a couple of different hospitals in Raleigh. But because there's so many of us, it's not a whole lot of time inpatient.
0: Wow. That's a lot. Yeah. Uh, Tell us, give some advice to uh, students who want to go into neurology.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, So, neurology is fascinating. Um, Every day is a little bit different. I have some patients who have very run-of-the-mill migraines or um, epilepsy or um, Parkinson's and then I have patients who have just these very oddball diagnoses Um, and a lot of patients who have something that I don't even know what it is Um, and so being comfortable with uncertainty tends to be really helpful. a lot of our patients have a really hard time with, we don't really know what this diagnosis is. And if I'm comfortable with it, I can convey that comfort to them and and settle them down some. Um, and then I think curiosity is is one of the most important character traits, especially for a neurologist, but for any physician. Um, just the, the love of learning and the love of finding out more about whatever is going on with the patient.
0: How do you stay active and up to date with... These new diagnoses and these new diseases and mm-hmm. other uh, issues that patients bring to you.
1: Yeah, that's a great question, um, especially in the field of multiple sclerosis. Um, in the past year, there have been four new medicines that were approved for the treatment of MS, um, which is just insane. That's so many drugs. Um, where there were four drugs for you know. 10 years between 1995 and 2005. Um, so it's, it's remarkable that drug development is so fast. Um, what's nice is that each, um, we have a pretty good relationship with drug reps, which sounds a little bit awful, um, but can be really helpful when they're bringing us new information. Um, and I think all physicians have, um, really need to, uh, to be mindful of the pros and cons of working with drug reps and just knowing that bias exists and knowing where your bias may lay can be helpful. Um, but they can be really helpful as far as bringing extra information about about new drugs. And so I have a, a phone call with um, someone from the drug company for a brand new drug that was just approved a couple weeks ago um, on Thursday. And then we also spend a bunch of time at conferences um, there's one conference that i really like every year the american academy of neurology is our big overarching neurology group um and so i spend usually each year i try to go to their big conference unfortunately this year it was cancelled um so it's going to be a little bit harder to keep up with everything new that's come out in the past year Um, but i like to do that
0: so you're doing research as well in some regards
1: yeah, some. Um, our private practice doesn't do a whole lot of research, um, but we do have a research department and we're involved in a lot of big clinical trials, which is really cool. That's, awesome. um, that's something interesting because I, you know, at Duke or at a big academic center, um, you tend to do a lot of kind of your own personal driven research. Um, so I spent some time looking at um, imaging characteristics of um, MS and another. um condition called neuromyelitis optica that's kind of similar um, and did some other kind of chart review type research, um, but didn't really have much exposure to big clinical trials. And so now we're looking at big clinical trials um, where a drug company will come in and say, hey, we've got this new drug. Here's what we've got so far. It looks really promising. We have, you know, reached out to a hundred centers across the country. Would you like to be one of them? And we'll look at what they have, and we'll try to enroll some patients in, the, in those clinical trials, which is really cool.
0: And I would imagine being in such a robust, large center like you're working in, yeah. your colleagues are really helpful as well in this yes. discovery. That's great.
1: Yes. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, we really appreciate you sharing with that. It's really important work that you're doing. Um, as we kind of come to conclusion, a couple more questions. One is first, um, most memorable moment so far working in the field?
1: Oh boy! Um right right now <laughs> things have been have been very crazy. We've switched to um telemedicine as much as possible and feel like every week is totally different from the last week. So I'd say we're living through it right now. yeah.
0: um, time for shout outs. Do you stay in contact with any other r a alums and if so, so who are they?
1: Caroline Lyons um and some with Gus Hargrave. Um, so those are probably my my resident friends. <laughs>
0: Excellent. Uh, speed round. Now a chance for you to tell us about your favorite memories of NYU. What was your favorite tradition at the university?
1: Uh, grad, grad, yeah, the Grad Alley, probably.
0: A lot of fun. Did you go abroad?
1: I did. I studied in Tel Aviv first semester.
0: Favorite dining hall?
1: Oh, probably Hayden.
0: Favorite NYU professor?
1: Wendy Suzuki.
0: She's great. I don't. Did you do the intensati when you were with with her?
1: Yes, I did. It was her first year doing it, and it was so much fun.
0: Great work. Any celebrity sightings as an NYU student?
1: Um, I went to a party with Hilary Joel Osmond once. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs>
0: he was in Reuben. Did you? Were you in Reuben as a freshman?
1: Uh, no, I wasn't. Um, but my uh, a friend of mine at the time was, and so I saw him a couple times. And then a couple years later, it was like our I think our senior year. I ended up at the same party as him. That was wild. Yeah.
0: Casey, thanks so much for spending some time to discuss your journey and where your life after NYU has taken you. As always, thanks to our listeners who can stay connected with RA alums who are living the Dream School alumni version. Casey, what you're doing is so important, the work that you're doing and the commitment you have to solving the problems of the brain. Um, I really appreciate your time, especially during this difficult time.
1: Great. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Special thanks to my engineer, Alejandra Aravalo, and our executive producer, Shahara Ranasingh, and to the current professional staff and the alums, such as Brandon and Ashley, who assisted these great RA alums in skill acquisition along the way. If you like tonight's show, look for more content on the RA NYU Alumni website, which lists RA favorite books, pics of all time favorite memories, and RA alumni accomplishments. Until next time. Please take a moment to thank all the healthcare workers trying to help those in distress every day we live today. Thank you, Casey, and you all take care.